You're listening to a podcast from 702. Um, but up next, um, of course, it's, uh, the, the, it is December and literally what we have three days left of December. And um, I was just chatting now to, to the producer of the show, Mongezi. And we were talking about the talker that I threw out at the beginning of the show. And then just to remind you, maybe you guys need to think about this. And, and in fact, it ties in beautifully what we're going to discuss up next with uh, Warren Tucker uh, and, and what we're going to discuss with him. So anyway, this is the last December without A. So you fill in the blanks. You fill in the blanks and tell us. It could be big. It could be small. Now, for Monguez, it's pretty big because he told me straight up, this is the last December that he is without a car. Aha. So uh, he's, he's looking to get himself a new vehicle. And I think that beautifully segues into our conversation that we're going to have with Warren Tucker, the car guy, Warren. And we're going to talk about what you as a new aspirant buyer need to look out for when buying a vehicle, particularly if it is a secondhand vehicle. It's eight minutes past two o'clock. 702. The car feature. The car guy, Warren, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks yourself. Compliments of the season. I hope you had a good Christmas. No, it was lovely. It was lovely. And I'm definitely looking forward to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and, and the couple of days following that, because then I'll be going away on a bit of a holiday. So, um, And I hope that you had a decent uh, uh, festive season as well. Yes, no, definitely. We are car people, so this is our busy time of the year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, um, yeah, we've had to... Obviously, having COVID, things have changed somewhat, um, but people are still out there. People are still asking questions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here to help today. No, for sure, for sure, Warren. And uh, I mean, some, some, some. Uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Let's talk specifically about first-time buyers and buying a second-hand car, because obviously. All too often, what you would find is, yeah, it's lovely to dream about that brand new Mercedes-Benz E-Class. But mm-hmm. if it's uh, uh, your first vehicle that you're buying, chances are that this is you're still doing an entry-level job. You're not earning all that much. Uh, you probably only recently got your driver's license. So there's, in all likelihood, a chance that you are going to look for a little hatchback that's sec- uh, being sold secondhand. Definitely. So in this in this particular area. I mean, everybody will tell you stories when when we used to produce the Mark One Golf. I don't think there's a single person that's alive today that has not, in some way, had this specific vehicle touch them uh, in some way or another. Be it them driving it in driving in a friend's car, driving it as a rental, a family member owning it, Dude. going on holiday. That's just how this vehicle has been around and I mean it's not a car it's a pet (laughs) there we go there we go there we go VW made this car for such a long time Mm. and I mean the vehicle is no longer produced obviously because of safety reasons Um, they updated it to a point where it was no longer cost effective for them to update anymore so we had a lot of other cars that came through we had Polos um, there's a whole string of them and Mm. a similar story with the Toyota Conquest um and obviously, those markets back in the day, those were the, the go-to entry-level vehicles. Mm, right? mm. Nowadays, you've got so much choice. And uh, the factories are also aware of what consumer consumers sort of want. So a lot of the entry-level vehicles will have a radio in it that can stream Bluetooth, will have a radio in it that can answer, pick up and drop calls. Most of them come out with ABS driver mm. and passenger side airbags. Mm. Um, you know, most uh, most of them will have aircons in them. 
and at the very least, electric windows for the driver and the passenger side, um, the, the two people in front. I mean, if we rewind the clock back, you know, people used to buy, so you'd buy a 160i GL, and that came with windy windows, maybe an aircon, and then you got the GLE, which was the executive. That one had electric windows, mm. had aircon and power steering. You know, so the spec levels have definitely changed in vehicles over the years. Coming mm. back to your point, as far as entry-level cars go, this situation here is, you know, you've got to be mindful of what it is that you can afford, which is what you touched on, first of all. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to take into account that it's more than just the installment. So so many times I speak to people and they'll say, yeah, but I can I can afford to pay 7000 rand a month in an installment. So I say, okay, but did you factor in that your insurance is going to be X amount? That vehicle is mm-hmm. going to need maintenance. You know, tires do wear. You're going to have to fix them. And all too often, the, the answer to that question is, I'll deal with it when I get there. <laughs> yeah, and then right. it hurts the pocket in a hard way. It, it hurts the pocket in a hard way. So when buying a second-hand vehicle, you know, there's, there's stories out there. Yeah, you're buying someone else's problems. How do I mitigate against buying a lemon? Well, there's a couple of a couple of things that you can do, you know, if you if first of all for you to look at look at uh when you're taking a second hand vehicle. Another mm. thing I just wanna point out is there are tons and tons of scams out there. I wanna make this very clear to everybody shopping out there. First and foremost, the bank sells their repo cars on auction. They do not give their repo cars to some guy in Jewel Street in town and ask him to sell it on their behalf. The bank will also never ask you to put a deposit down first to keep the car for you. The bank has authorized agents who auction their vehicles and auction on their behalf, and that's it. There's nobody else allowed to do that kind of work for them. I get so many messages about this um, on Twitter where people have been duped out of money, where mm. there's a vehicle that's been advertised at a two, an all-too-good-to-be-true price. Mm. Um, mm. For example, um, a guy contacted me about a BMW X5 for 80 grand, and it was written there, it's a bank repo. And I, I just said to the guy, you know, logically speaking, this gentleman could take this car to a dealer and he could get three times that money mm. for that vehicle. So why would he want to sell the car to you for 80 grand? Exactly. You know? And that gentleman lost out on 40,000 rand because oh. the, the, the modus operandi there was put down a deposit and we'll keep the car for you. The minute he put the money in the account, they were gone. Jeez. I mean, the, yo, those are, and, and I think, you know, towards the end of the conversation, let's, let's go through some of those basic tips so that people are aware, considering that people are yeah. out there scamming people who are inexperienced. This is the first time that they're doing this type of thing, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe if you can, in the back of your mind, sort of start accumulating some of those tips that you want to share yeah. with people. The, the one thing that stood out for me as we were talking, and, and, and this is not, uh, uh, you know, against any insurance companies or, a particular company that, that, that sells, um, written off vehicles, you know, that have been in crashes, etc. But as you very well know, um, I, as a second hand vehicle, I have the option of going and looking for a dream car. Let's call it a Golf 7 GTI. I, I really want a Golf 100%. 7 GTI. Uh, but even on the second hand market, it's way too expensive for me. And then lo and behold, there's a written off Golf that either has been repaired somewhat or alternatively can be repaired 
um, and it's it's going for a steal. I can afford it both, you know, uh, for the purchase price as well as the repairs that need to go into it. Is that such a good a- idea, especially when it comes to first-time car buying? You know, I, I as as somebody who's been in the motor industry a long time, I would walk away from a deal like that, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Okay, a lot of the time, there's a couple of industries here that you need to think about. Where do you want to be? Mm. Okay, most of these vehicles are front smashes. I've never been, and I've been in all my time going to scrapyards. I've I've seen very few cars in rear end accidents where the front of the car is completely fine and you can buy headlights and those kinds of things off those cars. Mm, so mm. second-hand parts, people are buying these second-hand parts. Sometimes they're buying the second-hand parts through legitimate dealerships. Sometimes mm. they might be supporting a market that you don't really want to be in. Mm. Okay, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of motor vehicle theft that happens in South Africa and the vehicles are broken up into parts and the parts are then sold. So as long as there's a market for these parts, there will always be vehicle theft and hijacking and the rest of it. Yeah. But coming back to your point about buying an accident-damaged car, you have no idea what the structure of that vehicle is okay, and how good that structure is. Mm. But let's say for argument's sake, you take the vehicle to a panel beater and the panel beater goes through the vehicle and says, look, the chassis of the car is fine. However, we need to replace the airbags in the vehicle. We need to replace, we need to redo the entire nose on this vehicle. So there are companies that will redo airbags for you, okay, in South mm. Africa. There are, there are companies that do that. Then it's about a parts game. You're going to be buying parts and putting these parts on this vehicle. Mm. Now, I can bet you, if we sit and d- tally up all the time that you've had put into this vehicle, all the costs that you would put into this vehicle and the rest of it, and the fact that there's no guarantee that after you've done all of this, that the car will drive properly because it's been in a major, major accident, right? You're going to come very close, if not over the mark, when it comes to um, just purchasing one from a dealer. It's just the initial knock isn't there, so it's Mm. over time because you'll be repairing things constantly, if you understand what I'm saying. So I always say to people, you know, if you can't afford a specific vehicle now, work at it. It's an aspirational thing. Work at it. Get to a point where one day you can buy this vehicle and you can buy the vehicle that you want. I mean, we all we all are not born with uh, silver spoons in our mouths. Um, there are some of us that are. But a lot of us are hardworking people and they work to work for what it is that they need or want. Mm. And don't don't also fall into the trap um, where where, you know, you know, you walk into a dealership and the guy will keep hounding on about the installment. I always say to people, go into the dealership, look at what the installment is for the vehicle, but do mm. yourself a favor, phone an insurance company and get a quote for what that in company will insure you for that vehicle. And it's fully comprehensive insurance. Yeah. And see if after that, you're still in a position to pay for that vehicle, right? And, and if that vehicle fits in your budget. And when you call your insurance company, don't sit on an excess of, I don't know, 50,000 rands because that's the amount that you have to uh, pay. When you, That's your contribution when there's an accident. And all too often, you could have a little bumper, bumper basher that's worth 30,000 rands, for example, and your insurance company is not going to assist you with it because it's worth less than what your excess actually is. And a lot of people are sitting with these massive excesses. 
and 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 basically are uninsured even though they have insurance um th- i mean the amazing thing for me about that is that you can also find yourself in the horrible situation whereby the vehicle looks stunning on the outside you know when you look at it the paint job is quite nice uh, the doors seem to be lining up the fenders and you know the various parts are, yeah. are supposedly lining up and the you know the you have clean lights and Everything seems to be working. But as you said, the inner workings, the chassis, the, the, the engine or bits and pieces of the engine could be in a dire state. And, and so it's one thing to be really, really pretty on the outside, but be a pile of junk on the inside. 100%. There's an African saying that goes, I blink, boy, but I stink on it. No. Okay, <laughs> that means it's, 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 it's looking good on top, but you have no idea what's going on underneath. I, I've, I've seen a lot of vehicles uh, going through auctions, going through... Um, going to used car dealers and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can see botched repairs. You can see repairs where this vehicle was repaired quickly just to get the vehicle out. And because consumers are not really, you know, uh, educated when it comes to what their rights are, you know, people will buy this vehicle and discover later that they're sitting with a problem, the dealer's not prepared to help them, um, and and they end up having to either fix or sell this vehicle at a loss because they've purchased something. Mm. I always say to people, you know, when you buy a car from a dealership, the CPA covers you as a consumer in the best possible way like this. Mm. It says that for six months, for the first six months of you owning that vehicle, right? first off, the dealer has to disclose everything to you in terms of whether the dealer knows that that car was accident repaired or not. Mm. They've got to disclose that information to you. Also, if there's a problem on that vehicle, the dealership, uh, covers that vehicle on your behalf. So you've got to take the vehicle back to them and they've got to repair that vehicle for the first six months, especially if the car is purchased higher purchase. If the dealer is not prepared to help you, you can get the bank involved. The bank will help you. The bit where you are without protection is walking into an auction house. When you purchase a vehicle on an auction floor, you have a seven-day cooling-off period. After that, if the vehicle blows up, if the vehicle no longer does what it's supposed to do, you know, you've got no mm. recourse with the auctioneer. The auctioneer has a day where they put the vehicle out and they say to you, you can look at that vehicle as much, you can sit here the whole entire day and look, go through this vehicle and make yourself comfortable with it before you bid. But the minute you place a bid on that car and you are successful, right, that vehicle is your vehicle and that vehicle, the, the, there is no liability as far as the insurance goes or no mm. duty to repair, sorry as far as the auction house goes for them to do anything there. Yeah, they, they just simply facilitated the, the, the sale of said vehicle, and that's an important point to raise. Very quickly, uh, Warren, I mean, I, I, we, just last week uh, I made the observation that gone are the days, unlike our dads, where you, know, you do your own oil changes, you do your own service, you change your own clutch and pressure plate and all those yeah. fancy, wonderful things that we grew up doing or <laughs> needing to assist our dads with, right? <laughs> so, so all too often... A lot of us, when, when you walk into that dealership, right, and, and you have yeah. to, um, and you want to purchase your, your second-hand vehicle, perhaps your first vehicle, you don't necessarily have the technical knowledge and skill to, to be able to tell whether it was accident repaired and, um, you know, whether that's actually a water leak and it means that the cooling system is, is stuffed or that's an oil leak and all of those other things. What are some of the basics one-on-one stuff that someone needs to look out for when they go and, and, and look at that vehicle standing maybe even on the shop floor. 
100%. So there are a couple of tricks that dealers do. They start the vehicle. Obviously, if they know you're coming, they start it first mm-hmm. to make sure that the vehicle will start first time if the vehicle's got a starting problem. So look out for that if the vehicle is running before you got to the dealership. Have a good look underneath the vehicle. Okay, so I mean, if you're going to be at to take the vehicle for a test drive, when you get back, look under the vehicle, make sure there's no liquids dripping, there's no oil. If you are really unsure, but you are interested in the vehicle, you could say to the dealership, I'd like to send the vehicle for a for a 50-point DECRA inspection, okay, and at my cost. So you say to the dealer, I am prepared to pay for the cost of this inspection. And the DECRA inspection will basically give you all the information on that vehicle as far as what they can see. So if there were botched repairs on the car, if the car's got an oil leak, if the vehicles, um, they'll even go as far as to tell you the clutch is on its way out. Uh, mm. They'll tell you if the, if the engine's healthy or not. Um, they would even go as far as that. And they'd give you a detailed report. And that detailed report, then you could look at that report and decide if this vehicle is or is not for you. Now, I must make you aware that the banks are also finding, uh, are looking at this situation where Vehicles that have been previously written off are finding their ways back onto second-hand dealership mm, floors. Mm. Now, I know that the Motors Group, uh, they do this. I know that um, a lot of the dealers, the bigger the bigger groups are also starting to latch onto this. So before they purchase a vehicle, they pull what is called a J164, which details ownership of the vehicle. Mm. And the minute they see that the vehicle has at some point been dealer-stocked or registered, and an insurance salvages yard, they decline finance on that vehicle. They'll decline to purchase the vehicle and they'll decline to um, to finance it. Reason being is this opens them up for liability. Yeah. Right? The vehicle um, could have been at a botched repair, could not have been repaired properly. The person has an accident or something happens and there's serious injury from this vehicle. So these dealerships and a lot of the banks are saying, no, we're not going to finance these vehicles Excellent. anymore. So. Be, be on the lookout for that. Excellent stuff. I've got Polly on the line from Joburg. Polly, good afternoon. Uh, you have a question for Warren? Yes, please. Um, my name is Polly. Um, I'm Hi, asking Polly. about, um, it's a concern I have. I live in the Q area, Joburg. And from yes. Connect Drive, the, on the highway, going up until Louis Bosa and beyond. There's, there's been such a mushroom of these car dealer, uh, shall I say, dealerships. It's a uh, houses converted into um, uh, car dealers. Yeah, where these cars coming from? This so almost the whole of College Drive from the mm. highway up to Mipota. Yeah, too much. Mm. So. Um, I have seen that. Thank you, Lily. I have seen a lot of dealerships pop up there. As far as where the vehicles would come from, these are ma- majority of them are second-hand vehicles. Majority of them are vehicles that were either purchased at an auction or they are trading vehicles. Wow. I I cannot say for sure whether these are accident-repaired vehicles. Obviously, um, I'm pretty sure there might be some in there, but I, I cannot say that 110%. But these vehicles, dealerships would pop up. Look, at the end of the day, you as the consumer, if you are interested in purchasing from these uh, dealers there, you do have avenues where you can make sure that you're not buying a lemon. It just might cost you a little bit of money to do that. Mm, and also, mm. if, you know, if you say to a dealer, um, I, I'd like to send this vehicle for a DECRA report, and the dealer's not interested in helping you facilitate that, then you've kind of got an answer. 
as to mm, mm. what it is you should do next. Right, exactly. Look, I find this quite fascinating, and, and, and it's great to see that there are options that people have um, and that you're not sort of just stuck on your own and, and, and you know, you have to go there and, uh, you know, do your best guesswork or guesstimation yes. and, and hope that you walk away with a decent vehicle. And then lo and behold, six months later, when, when your vehicle just uh, automatically just explodes by itself, then you're sort of stuck with, with, with uh, you know, the, the problems there. Um, Warren, just before we end the show or end the segment, what I just wanted to know from you, if people have any other questions, is there social media or website or something that they can go to where they can get some of this info, some of these basic uh, tips? Look, um, you can, you can uh, tweet me at the car guy, Warren. Also, if you look on uh, the DECRA websites, if you look on all the banking websites, the bank finance website, vehicle mm. finance website, they have tips there uh, for first-time buyers. I would always say, you know, a first-time buyer, it's a very emotional thing. I'm getting my first car and the rest of it. But, you know, go look at the vehicle, look at a few vehicles, mm. have a cool-off period, and then did make a decision after you've sort of uh, calmed the emotion down and make sure. an educated uh, um, um, you know, a choice as it is to what it is you want. And if you're unsure, ask a family member. If there are no family members that are vehicle or technically, uh, technically savvy, you have the DECRA group of companies as recourse. You would take the vehicle in. They don't know you. They don't know the dealer. Yeah. They have no reason to defend anybody. And all they are doing is giving you a report on that. What, what, what is the state of the vehicle? Let's take Mpo from Joburg very quickly. Mpo, short and sharp, straight to the point, please. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Uh, my question is, I heard that uh, the gentleman who was on the studio hmm. mentioning a seven-day cool-off period when you buy to an auction. I wanted to know what are the acceptable grounds of returning a vehicle that you bought on auction within the seven-day cool-off period? Because I understand they are sold foodstuffs, but what's the accept- acceptable ground for returning it? Okay, thanks. Uh, I guess you got that. Uh, Warren, are you familiar with what yes. the acceptable grounds would be for returning a vehicle within the seven days, obviously? Yes, 100%. So look, what happens at most auctions is the vehicles are put out there. Mm. The vehicles will have a stick on them saying no duty to repair. The auctioneer will state there that these are the problems of the vehicle on the window. Where you've got uh, got recourse to take the vehicle back, if the vehicle was sold as a used vehicle, but the vehicle is stolen and recovered, okay. or the vehicle is a code 3, or the mileage has, you can prove to them that the mileage on the vehicle has been, has been tampered with, okay. and the rest of it, you have grounds to go back to the auction. But remember, the auctioneer is going to say it to you also for anything else, look, you, you had time. So let's say, for example, the chassis is torn and you figure that out a week later after you've taken the car to a mechanic. The auctioneer is going to say, but we gave you an opportunity to go through the vehicle, you know, yeah, yeah. to make yourself comfortable with the vehicle. Warren, we'll leave it at that. I think that's fair. I mean, if it's a material issue, like you said, it's, it, it was a stolen vehicle or whatever and recovered or it was, you know, uh, you can't go there and say, I don't like the color anymore. That, that's definitely yeah, not no. a ground. Listen, mate, thank you so much. All the best and uh, really appreciated your time. It's a pleasure. Enjoy. Awesome, yeah, awesome stuff. Warren Tucker, the car guy, uh, giving us uh, some insights into what it takes to look at uh, buying a second-hand vehicle.